This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, what's your Twitter handle since, you know, you were salty last time that I keep giving my Twitter <laughs> handle, but you don't give yours. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. But I mean, longtime listeners know by now, and I echo your sentiments. Follow at your own risk. But it is at Jamar Tisby, at Jamar Tisby. You got the simple handle. Like, see, the 23 people have asked me, like, what's the 23? Is that like the 23rd Psalm or well, not? Nah, I was just, it was actually... Gordon. No, it wasn't even that. It was my <laughs> dorm in college. Like I lived in the, oh, the 23rd so dorm. So I was just like, all right, 23. You should make up a better story than that. I'm dead serious. That's it. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no nothing. And I've kept it this entire time. I've not changed it. I've, I've never changed it. It's not. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, um, that is anticlimactic. But wow. Hey, so that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come up with something like super woke to describe like 23. And I'm going to be like, yo, it's, it was like, and I hate using that word woke, by the way. We might need to get into that today. Like, why I don't like woke? Look, look I'm ready if you ready. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to get into that a little bit later. I right, put a pin in that. That's, uh, that's so funny. That, finally, <laughs> the woke episode. Bo said he wanted to be on this one. So he did. he's, he's going to be salty oh, when he finds out bad. we're talking about woke. Oh, but yeah, I'm gonna come up with something really, really Afrocentric for like 23, and I'm gonna be like, "See, it's the it's the two and the three, and that represents something." And then, <laughs> why don't yeah, you make it something biblical? Like, what's the 23? That's what I'm saying. Biblical and Afrocentric all okay. at the same time. <laughs> That's what we are. We're we're Christians and right we're black. There. Come on, come on. I like it. So we want you guys to continue to subscribe to the podcast. If you have not, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please go do that right now on iTunes. We also want you to listen on the Satchel app as well, created by our award-winning producer, Bo York. And we want you guys to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, we've been getting some great reviews. It's funny. We're going to talk about a trip that I took recently, and I actually got to meet some Pastor Mike listeners, and so want to shout them out as well here in a little bit. But you guys have the opportunity to leave a review, which gets us in front of more eyes and into more ears, and that advances the podcast. So it takes you just a couple of minutes to go on the Pastor Mike podcast page and rate and review. So go do that. Now, Jamar, let's get into it. What are what are some trips that you've taken recently? I'm I'm gonna talk about a trip, but you're you're a world traveler. You're a globe trotter. So what are some trips that you've taken recently? Oh man, that's funny that you say that because you're the one that's been on the road. But I'll humor you. I'll humor you. Um uh, I actually we talked about this last week, uh, was just in Indianapolis for the Gospel Coalition National Conference, which happens every other oh, year. Yeah. This of might course. have been their biggest one yet. They say there were eight thousand attendees, and so we got to go to that, um, but honestly, that's you my last You can hear the trip, recap of that uh, in the previous... I see, Jamar, yeah, you got to get better at these segues. You got to get yes, better yes, at these yes. segues. I got to get the plug, uh-huh. Uh, I, I got to get better at uh, podcast promotion, but yes, <laughs> it's there, 
and uh, it's last week's episode, and so that was that was an interesting trip. The travel on that was horrendous, and I sent mm. a very strongly worded review to Delta Airlines. But <laughs> that's my last trip till the end of the semester. So from here on out, just hitting the books, grading papers, writing papers, and uh, and then afterwards it'll kick back up again in the summer. Awesome, man. Well, I actually had the opportunity to go to Birmingham, Alabama, which is about four hours north of Pensacola, Florida, where I'm at. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because Birmingham has some very significant um, history when it comes to race relations in America. At one point, it was called Bombingham. Um, It is a Mm. very serious city. It's got some, uh, some landmarks that are infamous and famous all at the same time. So was actually able to go up there for a college conference called Converge. And I've spoken at Converge the past four years. It's run by my homie, Tim Johnson, up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And he started it. And it's interesting because it was predominantly a black you know, student conference. Hmm. And it's really interesting because now this year, it was very mixed um, in, in ethnicity. Oh, okay. And the theme was race, truth, and reconciliation. And so we were able to, to have some talks about what it means to be reconciled and what that looks like within um, our immediate context, what social justice looks like, et cetera. And so it was a very, very helpful conference. So I just want to shout out all the past Mike listeners that I was able to meet uh, there. So Yannick and Daniel and Claire and Matthew, and I'm trying to think of others, Ben and Cam Pugh, uh, the pastor down there at Iron City Church. And there's just so many others that I, I'm, I'm just failing to, to keep off the top of my head. But shout out to you guys. It was a very, very encouraging experience. And what, I, what I've seen is, you know, people in their 20s and in that college age, they're very receptive to this. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you go to kind of a, a young adults or college conference, you can say some things and they'll really receive it and listen to it. When it's, it, it's an older crowd, you've kind of, I don't want to say set in your ways, but it's definitely something that's maybe harder to penetrate because there's so many years of in ingrained bias and just the the routines and the status quo has really pressed itself down into you so it's it's something where you're a little bit more resistant to change in in a, in older context but you know as i told them you know sin exists in all all age groups and <laughs> age demographics so it's just really helpful to hear that there's a mixed group of young people up in a historic city like Birmingham that are really pushing towards reconciliation and repenting and doing tangible things is just very encouraging to hear well you know there i i keep coming back to this, the Lord recently brought it to mind that his kingdom is like a mustard seed. You know, it starts small, mm. but it grows and it spreads. Preach, so preach, preach, it's just so relevant because as we look at sort of racial reconciliation, racial justice movements, it can seem like there aren't very many out there who are willing to sort of overcome their fears of loss of comfort, reputation, mm. who are able to sacrifice and, and do do the things that this work really requires but but the reality is it don't take much right uh jesus started with 12 apostles to bring his message to the globe and look where it is now and so in a similar way he's he's still building and spreading his kingdom and while we may not be a very large group we're present and and mm-hmm. it's growing and i think what you're talking about with with these young people cuz i see it too i'm on a college campus you know multiple days a week 
uh, for school, and it's there. I mean, these folks are passionate, they're informed, they're faithful, and it gives me hope. Yeah, and there's there's this capacity for learning things very quickly and advancing very quickly <laughs> on the journey towards justice that I really admire about the younger generation. And, you know, I'm part of that younger generation. And I think I think about where I was three or four years ago, as I've talked about before on the podcast and where I am now, that we can really consume large amounts of information quickly, process it, and keep moving and apply that into our daily lives. And so I think the church in some ways is threatened a bit by younger people speaking about justice and feels a little bit uncomfortable with maybe our boldness or the ways in which we're saying things. And I think it's important for us to be challenged and to be humble and open to the reality that we don't know everything. We're going to have to extend some grace and some mercy to our brothers and sisters who are trying to advocate for and trying to bring into this fight. But at the same time, I think it's really important for the church to make a conscious effort not to discourage young people who are pushing for justice, but to steer young people who are pushing for justice. And it's it's really important for us not to miss the fact that, and I tweeted this after a recent conference, we have a lot to learn, but we are still useful as we're learning. You know, we, we yeah. really do have something to contribute to this broader conversation. And in 10 years, we're going to be in positions of influence, or even sooner than that, be in positions of influence to really make a dent in congressional, legislative, executive, church, denominational decisions, and really chart the course of the future. So it's important for us, and, and I know there's there's hesitation because we don't always say things the right way, and we don't always do things the right way, um, but the previous generation didn't either. So I think, I hope we get the same grace extended to us. I'm not trying to start a generational war here. I'm just saying, I hope we get the same grace extended to us that any other generation would want. But this proves true in you know pretty much every justice movement, right? There's uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in the Civil Rights Movement yep. was a bunch yep. of college students. And, and even high school students helped to start the sit-in movement, which caught on. And, and the thing that's so difficult about intergenerational justice movements is that the older generation pushed as much as they could in many instances in their own time. Mm -hmm. And because of their push, the next generation gets to push it a bit further. Yes, but because yes. they're pushing it further than you did, you get uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. you're like, wait a minute, that's not what worked for us. So y'all rein it in a little bit. But the reality is we're, we're all building on each other's work. And so the Absolutely. challenge even for our generation is to say the things that have worked for us now in this social media generation and, and blogs and websites and podcasts, that may not be what the next generation uses. And they may not say things the same way we say things, right. but what they're trying to do without perhaps always being conscious of it is to build on the foundation that previous justice workers have laid and i think that's what we're we're confronting now as as mm -hmm. as we're wading into race and justice and truth um but like you said we need to be guided not shut down right yeah yeah i think it's and it's really important for us to be open as well to correction to be open to the leadership of others and but i think even the ways in which we conceive of justice now, it's moving at such an aggressive clip and moving at such an aggressive rate that if the church is not careful, 
if it rejects the voices of young people, it will become really out of touch with what it what social justice actually looks like in the public square and have the Christian perspective to speak into it. And I think young people are that connection. It's funny because we've said this before. We're not radical by the standards of what the world would consider no. radical. And, and we're just a little bit maybe um, more radical than some in the church will be comfortable with. And so it's it's important for us to, while affirming orthodoxy, make sure that that we're kind of a bridge to and let the church and kind of illuminate what the church uh, should do and should say in this in this season, at least to let them know this is what people are thinking. This is this is where the conversation is going. These are some of the the new voices that are being heard and and spread around and proliferated within the justice conversation. I think that's useful to the church. Now we may not have it in a, in a senior leadership capacity. Maybe our influence is grassroots instead. But I think the church. I'm just concerned. That's all. I'm just. I just hope that the church would would hear and listen. Mm, that's a good word, man. That's a good word. So let's talk about um, let, let's talk about this journey towards wokeness that you are so fond of, uh, Jamar. Let's talk about all you and all your woke friends, you and all your your fully awake friends. You just hear oh, explain why why you use the word woke, Jamar. Because I can't I can't stand it. I'm tricked into using it. I'm tripped into it <laughs> because it's just such a cultural thing. But I my my disdain for the word continues to grow and build into a cascading avalanche. So let me know what, why you use woke. Uh, well, obviously, it's a, I feel like I'm stepping into a trap here because you got you got your <laughs> ammo ready, you know, whatever. So so nah. I think, you know, just to set it up, we have different views on the on the utility of the word. And and honestly, to our listeners, we Tyler and I haven't had this conversation in depth anymore. So you're going to see, you know, right here, here, right. Kind of <laughs> all the arguments the we've been thinking about <laughs> everything going on. And I'm not a debater. So I'll just put that out there right now. He, he, he might, he might eviscerate me, but that's fine. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I still think it's a good term. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a cultural definition when you say woke, I, I think, and you may add nuance to this when folks say, they are woke or someone is woke. It really means that they are conscious of the racial, ethnic, and cultural dynamics at play in the world today, particularly the United States. And so mm -hmm. to, to be woke would be to be aware of some of the racial history of our nation, uh, to be aware in particular of the systemic and institutional manifestations of racism, what Emerson mm -hmm. and Smith would call a racialized society, where mm -hmm. so many of the most important factors in life from uh, health, uh, life expectancy, um, birth uh, mortality rates to, to income and education, all those things are can can unfortunately fall along racial lines and black and brown people tend to have the worst outcomes along those measures and so to be woke means to have an awareness of that and then i think it means even going further than being aware it's 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 in some sense pushing against the the cultural inertia that would keep the status quo of a racialized social hierarchy and, and, and to try to work against that system so that it's more equal for all. Um, so I think in a cultural sense that's there, 
it gets abused, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But mm-hmm. I like the language in particular because I think, you know, the Bible talks about being awake all the time. Um, Isaiah 52. See here, see here you, ah, look, see, here you go. It says, here awake, you go. awake, put on your strength, though, Zion. It talks about, um, uh, you know, Jesus to the disciples praying, couldn't you stay awake for even a little while while I was with you? And then it talks about go. always staying awake and being ready for the return of the Lord. And then even in a in a in a in a personal salvation sense being awakened to the salvation of the lord and the truth that that Jesus Christ is lord and so you know in a sense being asleep and and blind to our own sins and then waking up um and then even even in the the uh the Luke 15 with the prodigal son when it says he came to himself it's like it's like a sudden like jumping out of a trance mm-hmm. and i feel like for many of us because we're born into this racialized society and it's in this atmosphere, we are deadened or asleep to the way, the pernicious ways that race functions. And then when we, we're woke, it's like we, we come to ourselves. We finally see in a, in a truer way what's actually going on and then we can respond appropriately. So, I mean, for all those reasons, I don't mm. mind the term woke. See, here you go with all this. I'm not a debater. Let me present <laughs> five points and some scripture. Listen, this is my issue with the word woke. Okay, this is my on. issue. Come with it. My issue is that it's too final. It seems like it is a static position. And it seems like a static position that we should all attain to. And I'm telling you, I think that is an improper way of framing the justice conversation. I think we are always pursuing justice. And I think that we are always striving towards something that we will never fully see here on earth. And what I think the term woke sometimes gives the impression of is that if we call you woke, especially if you're within majority culture, that you have crossed a threshold. And that threshold now makes you an acceptable authority on the justice conversation. And I think that's improper because we're all slowly figuring out the ways in which we'll never really get around the justice conversation, that we'll never actually be able to stand on a, on a perch or a plateau and actually say, hey, I've attained full sight on everything. I can see all the ways in which race and class and gender have interplayed into oppressive systems, have been institutionalized and cause bias and bigotry and discrimination. I don't think we'll ever get there (laughs) until glory. And so because we can't fully see that, why would we give this impression that we cross some magical threshold? What makes one woke? <laughs> like, what what actually makes you woke? Because you read a book? Like, do you, you read Between the World and Me, and now you're woke. You know, like, how does this... That's a no, good start. No, you, you read... Yeah, it's a good... I mean, read the Bible first, of course, you know? And then outside of that, read Between the World and Me. Okay, great. Now, what does that actually mean? And it doesn't actually presuppose that you're acting. It just presupposes that you're aware of something. Right. So just because you're awoke or woke to something doesn't mean you actually act to change that which you're woke to. And so for me, I'm just sitting back and saying, why are we giving this, ta- this tag and this label to people, even to ourselves, when we're relatively new to the justice conversation? So I think sometimes it gets thrown around loosely. I totally understand that it's slang. And even before this call, you know, frankly, I used it just because it's so ingrained in my mind. You know, we're having a conversation. I was like, oh yeah, you know, whatever, because that's, that's the way in which we talk about it. But I really hate that it's become this mentality 
because it also kind of gives this stamp of approval idea that I think is dangerous. People will let us down. (laughs) People will fail us and we will fail each other. And I think when we have this anticipation that because we're woke, now we know exactly what to say and we, we know how to operate in every single environment. I think it really denies the fact that we're all still struggling to push back sin in our own hearts and the sin which has been ingrained into us by our cultural preferences and has been grained into us by the world at large. So that's why I'm I'm very sensitive to using it because it seems so loose, so yeah. undefined. Like, what does that actually mean? How do you cross that threshold? And well, I don't think it really podcast. has like an action. Listen, <laughs> you've already laid it out. That's the case. You should have re- you should have wrote the article, man. Oh man, yeah. Well, maybe. Um, but so uh, three things. Um, so I hear what you're saying. Woke can be static. It can be like this line you cross, and once you've crossed it, you're 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 done. You know, you're a finished product, mm-hmm. and you've got the the you know good social justice stamp of approval, whatever it might be. Um, I would say a, a few things. Number one, there is a hashtag that says, well, well, okay, number one, there is a difference between some folks who quote unquote get it about race and those who don't. And so we mm-hmm. need to have some sort of terminology, right? So there, you and I both know that we have our critics and many of those critics don't have the slightest clue about the, the the racial context of this nation, about the way race functions in the 21st century. And it's really hard to communicate with those folks because they just don't even have kind of a basic framework for understanding the dialogue. And then right. there are those who do. So like folks in the past, the mic group, by and large, even though it's thousands of people now, we can't attest for every single person. But uh, a lot of the people contributing to the conversation do have a level of awareness and can speak with some nuance that, you know, we we don't have to deal with some of the same levels of, of like building basic knowledge that we do in, in, in the broader sphere. So that's one. Number two, there is a hashtag that says get woke, stay woke. And I think that kind of talks it's too to... Too many words, bro. Too many words. <laughs> it's four <laughs> syllables. We could do it. Um <laughs> It kind of speaks to, to to this static nature of wokeness that, that you're talking about, which I think is valid. But there's a sense in which, yeah, get woke, but that's not it. Stay woke. In other words, keep up with what's actually going on. And not, not just current events, but against this idea that once you've had a revelation about race, it could have been on one particular topic or one particular situation, you're not done. There's 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 a lifelong kind of journey like you're talking about, which is which is stay woke and wokeness. Mm. And then I would say, lastly, not at all to equate wokeness with salvation, but there's a sense in which we can understand the dynamic in terms of the gospel. Right. Whether your conversion was this Mm. moment in time that you can look back and name the, the date and the occasion or if it was a gradual realization at some point. You turn around and say, I was an unbeliever, now I'm a believer. Maybe you know exactly when that happened, maybe you don't. But it's it's there's a definite shift. And then, along those same lines, if you have accepted the gospel, that doesn't mean you're a complete project 
at all. Mm -hmm. To say that you've converted, to say that you're a Christian doesn't mean that you aren't continually being sanctified and you're on a journey to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And so again, not at all, at all, at all, at all to equate wokeness with salvation, but in a similar sense of being on a journey, you can look back and say, well, there was a time when racial issues weren't really on my radar. Now they are. I can't tell you exactly how or when that happened, but they are. Mm -hmm. And because they are, because I think this is part of the definition of being truly woke, because these issues are on now, now on your radar, you continue to pursue them. You continue to not only inform yourself, but as you do, take action. And so I think what needs to happen is stuff like this podcast where we do flesh it mm -hmm. out so that people don't think it's this one-time thing. I read an article. I'm done. I read a book. I'm done. I had a conversation. I'm done. No, that's only the beginning, and it's a lifelong mm -hmm. journey. So it's valid. Yeah, so um, I think that's I think that's a really good pushback. I would say that the way in which the the salvation comparison or parallel, I would say that that's actually why I don't like the word because for salvation there are there are clear marks of those who are saved, right? There are clear marks like it's like a supernatural thing. So there are clear marks of those who are saved, and I don't think we've really figured out yet what is a clear mark of those who are woke. And I think people would look at us and say, you're not woke because of our positions on certain issues. Oh, no, you're not really woke. You're woke if you believe all all the things that make you awake, you know. And so I think I think, again, it's so nebulous to me. And I understand your pushback and I think it's good. And, and listen, Jamar, I'm not going to I'm not going to get upset if you use the word. OK, if you want to use woke, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, Jamar. We can still be brothers. I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm gonna try to break the habit on my own. That's all I'm saying. So I'm but gonna try to break the habit. Isn't this, in some sense, the problem with all language? Right? Like, what does it absolutely. mean to be conservative or Republican or yes, Democrat absolutely. or progressive? There's always the problem of definitions, and that's sort of part of the the richness. Even of Even racism. Like, racism is the is the biggest one, oh right? For us, you know, what is racism? So, yeah, prime example, right? Um, and you know, so I think. Is I'm wondering, like, is that a problem with the term woke in and of itself? Or is this part of simply humans using language and having different perspectives? And would it lend itself then to more dialogue rather than jettisoning the term? Because if you, if, if you have an issue mm -hmm. with the term woke, what replaces it, if anything? You know, and, and that's another conversation to have. Yeah, prob probably nothing. That's what I would say, honestly, like probably nothing. I think even with terms like conservative, liberal, or racism, there's there's clear descriptors. There's clear examples of what those look like. And if you are a conservative, you believe these things based upon a party that adheres to conservatism, which is the Republican Party, right? Or if you are a liberal, you believe these things based upon a party that adheres to a liberal agenda, which is the Democratic Party. Now, there's a spectrum there. But that doesn't mean that there's almost this nebulous sense that there's nothing that defines you. And I think sometimes Black Lives Matter is seen as the defining woke or I don't know, whatever it may be, is seen as this is what is defined as someone being woke. And I don't think there's really necessarily a category like I can point to racism and I can say there are there are examples that we can give that can show what racism actually is. I don't know. I think there are examples that we can show 
of people pursuing justice. Woke. See, if you're woke and then you pursue justice, I think that's two different things. Like, I think, okay, now you step outside of just being woke and now you're actually going to chase justice. Now you're actually going to go after being just as, you know, something that you won't ever attain on this earth, but you will reach one day in glory, right? I, I, I don't think, I think woke is like, okay, this is kind of stasis. This is like mentality, like, wow, I see all this stuff. Now let me actually go and do this stuff. And, and so that's why for me, the language in and of itself is just weak. Now, again, if you use it, I'm not going, I don't know what replaces it. I think nothing should replace it. I think we should all pretty much be pursuing justice. And some of us have a little bit, are a little bit further along in that journey than others. But hey, again, Jamar, I'm not going to get upset if you use woke. <laughs> well, here's use it on a podcast. We'll just bleep it out. It's what, okay. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I still like the term. I think what we're talking about is fleshing it out because especially on social media and a, and a hashtag, right? It's one of these terms that gets thrown out there and used a lot of different ways with really exactly, no center, Jamar. right? Exactly, but, Jamar. But that doesn't mean we can't have one, or at least amongst, you know... Who decides what the center is? Who decides what the center is? We're the, we're the voices on this podcast, so we can't... See, but, we but, get a but say. as soon as we step... But see, here's the thing. As soon as you step outside of the podcast, you step outside of the passing my group, who decides? Maybe. But I think the way it's used, especially because it's typically on social media that I hear or in particular articles, it's centered around racial issues, justice issues. And at minimum, at minimum, it means a degree of information that one has probably intentionally sought out, mm-hmm. which I think is helpful. I think that's because, fair. Yeah, that's fair. You know, there are plenty of people who 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 don't have that information and don't seek it, right? And so the, the framework I use is this. I use, uh, and, and I think I've done podcasts on this, so shout out to another podcast. You can look this up. It's called The Arc of Racial Awareness and or, hmm. what, the Arc of Racial Reconciliation. And it's an acronym that stands for Awareness, Relationships, and Commitment. And the way I explain awareness, sometimes I, I, I equate it to being woke, right? Like it is a component of racial reconciliation and racial justice. It is a necessary component, but it is not sufficient. And so mm-hmm. in that component of awareness or wokeness, I say inform yourself equip yourself with knowledge because there is a basic framework for understanding racial and social dynamics and cultural and ethnic dynamics that you have to have if if you want to take action and not do mm-hmm. harm right because there are there, there can be a lot of zeal <laughs> but you can also run roughshod over the people you're trying to serve and one of the best ways to prevent against that is to increase your awareness particularly I'm I'm you know a budding historian so I'm I always push history books you the doctor doctor Tisby not not for five or six more years but whatever I'm whatever um so I use it within a framework because I agree that's not the the end game or the whole game but it's an essential part of the game that 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 we can't overlook so yeah absolutely no I think that's really good I think that's really good that's the best that's the best explanation I've ever heard of it. Well, thanks. But yeah, it's a good discussion to have because it, it actually is part of a bigger discussion of how, when, and if Christians should use 
secular terms, if you want to call it that. I really, you know, man, that's a whole that's a whole series of podcasts. That's a whole series of of, of podcasts. But, you know, to what degree can can Christians um, utilize the terms of a world that is maybe non-Christian or in some cases even anti-Christian? Can we chew the meat and spit out the bones or Mm -hmm. is using the word at all um, just confusing and stick either to a completely different vocabulary or strictly to biblical language. Now, it sounds real religious to only use biblical words, but I think personally, you know, spending five years in seminary and getting equipped with all this Reformed theology actually gives me a filter and a framework to look at knowledge being generated by non-Christians and say, because of common grace, they might stumble upon some truth, even though they don't have the ground of all truth, which is faith in God, but they can still get it right sometimes. And can I, can I use that? Can I, can I, um, utilize that bit of truth without absorbing all Mm -hmm. of the worldview that goes along with it? And so that's why I think this conversation matters much more than simply one term and whether we ought to use that one term. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. And listen, we're going to have a part two of this conversation because (laughs) we just off the cuff decided to talk about wokeness. And clearly you had a file ready that you were prepared with. (laughs) <laughs> well, we got to get Bo listen, on here. He's going to be mad. Yeah, we got to talk about it. We got it. We got to get Bo on to talk about it. But it would be remiss of us to not uh, conclude the podcast without at least talking about um, the resurrection, which this is the weekend where we're recording it. It is actually Good Friday. And so for many people, this is a time where we um, is is of great significance to us as as Christians to recognize the, the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it would also be remiss of me to fail to mention the Christians who were killed in Egypt on Palm Sunday um, and the bombings by the Islamic State. It would be remiss of me not to just commemorate their example um, of really, truly what it looks like to stand in the face of persecution, what it looks like to stand and believe and to continue to worship a living God in the midst of people who want to kill you. And that is something that it took me quite a while just to sit back and and really think about in what ways have I been silent and ashamed about my faith. And I don't think it's necessarily always something for us to just do a one-to-one comparison, but I think it, it's, it's definitely something that we must think about as we continue to pursue reconciliation that the resurrection is at the core of that, that we believe that Christ died, but he also rose again, and he's coming back to establish his kingdom, and then all things will be made new. He will renew all things. And so it is definitely something that we are joyful about, but especially on a time like Good Friday and, and the Saturday preceding Easter, Resurrection Sunday, it is definitely something for us to reflect upon and to think deeply about, even as we push towards reconciliation. Well, the gut-wrenching loss of human life, and in this case, Christians, reminds me that we are one body. And I think, you know, with all of our different denominations, with all of the sort of sectarian strife and conflict that we get into over issues that aren't even of salvific importance, 
a tragedy like what happened in Egypt on Palm Sunday reminds me that the way Christ views his church, he's not viewing it strictly in terms of, well, that's the U.S. church, that's the Egyptian church. No, this is his church universal. This is one body. And, and, and when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And so I'm trying to learn to hurt along with my brothers and sisters whom I've never met and probably never will yes. meet in this life, but who are united to me and I to them by the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, by the will of God the Father. And we, we, we must remember that. So I'm thankful for Karen Ellis, who is our resident um, global church expert who always keeps it on our radar. I recommend yes. that you access her materials on the website. Uh, just look up Karen Ellis, as well as we've had her on the podcast several times. And so you can search for, for hers. She's, she's got great insights as to the global church. Um, but in the midst of death, there is life. And as we record yes. this, it is Good Friday, uh, when Christ was crucified and, and killed in the flesh, but we know Sunday's coming. So Sunday coming, fam. Sunday's coming. What y'all got planned at your church? We are actually, it's funny, it's our 25th year church anniversary. Uh, so we are actually going to put it off um, the celebration of that anniversary to kind of make it all about Christ. So we're just going to put that off to the end of this month, but we're, we're planning a big celebration service, but we boosted up our services. So we're doing a, a one more than normal. And, um, we have a lot of unbelievers and family coming in. And actually there's 50 to 60 family members that are coming in on my dad's side. Wow. Um, yeah, some of them are unbelievers. Um, most of them have heard the gospel before. Maybe some have believed and some have not. Um, so it's going to be a great opportunity to share the gospel with them and, and love on them and um, reach out to some specific areas within our community that we thought desperately needed to be around some believers and to hear the gospel. So we're looking forward to inviting them and welcoming them and uh, just joyful, man, just very joyful that we're going to get to to worship with a diverse group of people and probably more diverse than normal for our church, predominantly black church. And uh, that's going to be good for us to, to see that the body is bigger than just our little four walls, as you were saying earlier. So we're, we're excited to worship the, the risen King and, and eat some good food and ride some horses and do all that ride good stuff. Man. Wait, how'd you just go throw that in there? What ride some horses? Yeah, man. I grew up, yeah, I grew up around horses, man. My dad has horses. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Tyler D. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I can't really ride them a lot because of my, uh, I have allergies. So the dander, I'm actually allergic to the dander. So it causes my eyes to puff up, but I ride whenever I can. And that's like part of your regular annual Easter tradition? Nah, it's just because family's going to be there. So because family's going to be there, they're going to we're just going to get out there and just ride horses. That's just what man. we do. I'm not hating. Why are you laughing, man? So what you saying? You can't about. you can't be woke and ride horses. Is that what you saying? Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know you were going that direction. Like you were talking about the resurrection and and Easter and evangelism, and then you bring up he coming horses. back on a white horse, fam. You right. coming back? All right. All right. That's good. That's good. Um. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, you know, it's it's always kind of hard for us because of where Easter falls on the calendar, we're usually not near family. I mean, our closest family mm. is nine hours away. So um, it's actually a good reminder that, uh, you know, whoever does the will of God 
uh, Jesus said, is his mother and brother and sister. That's right. And so we get to celebrate with our spiritual family at church. And we're in a little tiny town, so it's not going to be big or elaborate, um, but it will be special. And it's 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 a weird feeling. Like, I always get torn, you know, with the liturgical calendar and celebrating Easter. But every Sunday, in a sense, you know, we celebrate the resurrection. And so, yes. you know, on one level... This is not a Sunday that's that's drastically different than any other. But I do think because we are enfleshed, embodied beings uh, with short memories and whose 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 rituals help shape us, uh, it is important to celebrate this annually uh, on the calendar as a reminder, a specific reminder, a specific Sunday set aside uh, to to recall what Christ did, His passion his resurrection and his coming return. Amen, brother. That's right. That's a good word, man. Hopefully we we never forget it and we don't limit it to just one Sunday, man. And get out there, worship with some believers. Oh, by the time this is up, you will already have worship with some believers, but do it again this Sunday. <laughs> the liturgical calendar continues. It yet continues. So thank you guys again for, for uh, tuning in and joining us on this episode of Pastor Mike. Again, we want you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also on the Satchel app as well. Join the private Pastor Mike Facebook group. It is over 3,000 people, cross-denominational, cross-generational, and then also multi-ethnic of people working out what it means to actually pursue justice and to be faithful members of the body of Christ. Who are woke. And as always... Yes. <laughs> According to you, they are woke. So uh, if we find non-woke people in there, I'm just going to point them to you. Hey, I'm you I'm about that. to for all 3,000, but. <laughs> See how he just slides out of that? Anyway. Uh, well, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you soon on the next Pass, pass the, the Mic. The mic. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.